Well, I'm very happy to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again. Uh, wherever you're making your connection with us, Coral Gables, Kendall Campus, across the nation, around the world, in the United States today is Mother's Day. And so uh, we celebrate all of the mothers that may be joining us and the others that are joining us because of the mothers. Um, you know, I heard that one ounce of mother was worth a pound of preacher. Is that right? <laughs> I know it's right at my house. And uh, we are so grateful that you are here, that you're able to share with us today. If your mom's with you, you should give her a big hug. Mine's in Missouri, so hi, mom. Uh, glad for you to be joining us. But um, we celebrate with every person who today has a mother, is a mother, and, um, and we thank God for the love of the ladies in our lives. Dare greatly lovers, that's today. Um, would you agree, people do crazy things for love. You know, when I was a student pastor, in order to save enough money to buy a diamond engagement ring for my fiance, Lisa, I skipped meals. It's true. Um, fasting for love. Is that crazy? I wish you worth it. What do you think? Um, I watched my dad for years uh, get up go to work, gut it out day after day to provide what it took to keep his family fed, clothed, and housed. Um, three kids, and one of them was an arrogant, rebellious teenager at the time. That would be me. Now, was he crazy? Or is that how father love works? My namesake uncle, Wayne. I'm Billy Wayne. Um, he, uh, he was... The, he's my mother's only brother, the only son in a family of four sisters, and uh, he was tragically killed when a kamikaze pilot slammed his plane into the USS Franklin right off Japan in World War II. Now, was he crazy to enlist? Or is that what country love does? Is that what love of freedom does? Is that what brotherly love does? Um... My family have never been uh, people of means, a family of means. We, we pretty much live from hand to mouth, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And yet I never remember a time when my mother did not work outside the home. And it wasn't because she was asserting her rights as a woman in the marketplace. It was because she was helping ends meet as a mother for her kids. So once again, thanks, mom. Is that crazy? Or was that a mother's love? because many of us have benefited from sacrificial love from our mothers. I saw the story of a woman actually from last October in Washington state, her house burned to the ground. I mean, she, it caught fire, completely destroyed. The woman suffers third degree burns in that fire and collapses in the front doorway, the story says, but not until she had gotten her two youngest kids out and then rushed back into the flaming house to get her seven-year-old daughter out and then collapses in the doorway, you know. Is that crazy? Or is that mother love? And then a passerby, a neighbor, a neighbor passing by, literally pulls her out of that doorframe in her burned down house before fire rescue gets there. Is that crazy? Or is that what love of neighbor, love your neighbor looks like? the things you do for love, the crazy things that you do for love. Can I ask you, what's the most extravagant gift you ever received? What did that feel like? Take a moment to find it. 
when you got that gift, what did it feel like? What's the most extravagant gift you've ever given? Why did you do it? Was it for love? People do crazy things for love, and God did the craziest of them all. You know, if you're a guest with us today, God bless you for coming, but you want to know what the whole, the whole thing is about. You want to know what the church is about, what Christianity is about. It all comes down to this. God loves you. You matter to God, and he has been unspeakable unspeakably generous because the father gives the son, the son gives his life, and then the risen spirit gives us life. And there's the three in one. There's not three gods, there's one God, but as father, son, and spirit, God is generous in all of his being and God is love. So if we're gonna grow to be like God, then it just makes sense that we're gonna have to learn something about being dare greatly lovers. Because God so loved that he gave, which brings us to the whole bottom line of the whole talk today. Here it is. See if you agree with this. You can give without loving, but it's impossible to love without giving. Is that true? Yeah, you can give without loving. People do it all the time. But is it possible to love without giving? Hmm. Think about that with me. Jesus loves, and so he gives, gives, gives. That's what the story's about. And in the Gospels, we see it time and again, but we also see that he wasn't just the source of generosity. He also received it. He received love from others. He lets himself be loved. So maybe there's a heads up for some of us today. Are you doing that? Are you willing, are you letting others love you? Takes a level of vulnerability, doesn't it? And when you're, used to, uh, when you're used to being the giver, it can be a little strange, it can feel a little awkward, especially if the gift is extravagant. It has a way of overwhelming your heart and then could even feel embarrassing, like other people looking on may not get it. They, they may not really um, understand. In fact, they may think that it's a waste. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus the day that we join the story. It's the last week, and do you know, it's the last week of his earthly life, and, and this amazing gift comes his way, and do you know who's most indignant about it? His disciples. What? Yeah, right before Passover, where Jesus is now going to implement communion, and the new covenant of God's generosity is coming our way. And here's the story, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they're indignant. Why this waste, they say. This perfume could be sold at a high price. And the money could have been given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you'll always have with you, but me, you will not always have me. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached in the world, this woman's story, she will, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so today it's happening, isn't it? His story's being told, so is hers, here it is. John 12 actually tells us from John's gospel that it was Mary who did this. 
And it was a pint of pure nard that she poured not only on his head, but also on his feet. And then it says that she wiped them with her hair, which is a very transparent and vulnerable act of devotion, wouldn't you think? And then it says the entire house was just filled with the fragrance. Can you smell it? (sighs) You know, one time uh, we had a bottle of perfume fall from a shelf Um, shattered on the marble bathroom floor, shards of glass everywhere. I mean, what a mess, but boy, it smelled so great. (laughs) It was like, oh man. Well, here, the entire room is filled with the fragrance, but it didn't happen by accident. It was on purpose. And all the disciples can think is this, why this waste? I mean, what a waste. And John says it was actually Judas, Judas Iscariot, that was leading the charge. Why wasn't this sold and it was sold? Why didn't we sell it to the poor? I mean, this is worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and given to the poor? Now, here's a guy who'd never thought in his entire life about giving an annual salary to Jesus. And he was now making it very, very public. Alabaster jars, by the way, were often made of um, precious stone resembling the marble that would have come from Solomon's temple. It was a very valuable possession, easily this woman's most valuable possession. The jars would contain ointments and oils and fancy perfumes, and the thick stone would prevent the aroma from escaping, and it would keep the, uh, the perfume from spoiling. So the shape of the jar usually had a long neck and then a sealed top, and the top had to be broken in order for uh, the, the jar to be used, which means it, it could only be used one time. One and done. And so the the question echoing in that fragrance-filled, one-of-a-lifetime kind of rooms experiences was this. Why? Why? Why a gift so lavish? Why an act so costly? Why Jesus? And uh, why this waste is how the eyewitness wrote it down. So the disciples have much to learn about generosity and the story has much to teach and some quick answers. Actually, the big answer is this. It's because of love. That's what's going on here. It's an act of love. Why do we love Jesus then becomes the question. And I can give you some quick answers on that one. Some that come from the scripture, but also resonate with our experience. The first answer is this, because he's worth it. Because of all the others in all of time and history, Jesus is the only one who declares and demonstrates that he is the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, God incarnate, present to change lives, set captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bring salvation. There's only one Jesus and he's worth it. And we see this from the time the Magi first, when he arrives as a baby and the Magi are there declaring the magnificence of this amazing person, Jesus. So he is worthy. The answer here is your gifts of worship are never wasted on Jesus. Second, because he first loves. Why do we love Jesus? Because he first loved me. I wasn't looking for him when he found me. How about you? Um, 
We love him because he first loves us and forgives. Luke tells another story. Luke chapter seven tells the story of a sinful woman. That's what she's called. That's how she's known in the community. And she's not invited to this party that this rich guy was throwing, but she comes in anyway and she weeps at Jesus' feet and she's kissing them and pouring perfume from her alabaster box because lots of people had these and she was pouring them out on Jesus. Had to feel awkward. Embarrassing, but the bottom line of that story is Jesus says the woman whose sins are many, she loves much. Why? Because when you've been forgiven much, you love much. And yet, on the other hand, those who perceive themselves to be forgiven just a little really aren't that appreciative. Luke chapter 7, verse 47. The question here is Have you been forgiven? Have you ever been forgiven? I mean, for something that you've done? Was it like just a little bit of forgiveness or maybe more? When God forgives, he forgives completely. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no punishment, no penalty for our sin. It's been transferred to Christ, freed from the punishment. And that's the why behind her what, maybe yours as well. Because when you've been loved and forgiven well, then it tends to show you how it's done and you do it for others. Third answer, why, is saying thank you to God because that was really her occasion in that story. Maybe you have a story that you can think of as well. But that day, this Mary, her brother Lazarus had died. I mean, his, he'd been, his obituary had been in the paper. His body had been in the cemetery. And Jesus comes in and says, Lazarus, come forth. And he does. And now guess who's sitting just down the table at the house that day? It's Lazarus, her brother. Jesus had brought him back. And she's saying, thank you. God ever answered a prayer for you? God ever provided for a family member for you? God ever met you at death's door and showed up in a way that just made you want to say, thank you? That's what's happening here. Why do we love Jesus? Well, there's four reasons right there. Here's the final one. Giving is a way of saying thank you. Here's the final one. Um, So that others can know Christ too. When the story happens, Jesus says, you know, wherever the gospel goes, this woman's story is going to be told. This is incredible. Think about this. Jesus is saying, from now on, your story and my story, they're going together. So wherever people talk about me, they're going to talk about you. It's what we're doing right now, isn't it? And wherever talk about you, then I'm going with you. So our stories, this is incredible. How amazing is it that your story can be part of what God is doing to help other people know how God can do it for them. And yet that's the reason that we give, which actually is Lance and Lori's story too. Let's watch. Hi, we're the Baldings. My name is Lance and this is my lovely wife, Lori. We have two boys, Trevor and Zach, and we've been a part of Christ's journey for many years now. I came to the church 16 years ago um, as a single mom. Trevor was a year and a half and basically I was living in Miami, um, had no friends, had no support, and was really in a tough place. One of the first places that I connected at Christ Journey was through Circle of Friends. And this is where God gave me these beautiful friendships that are still extremely strong today. And it was a place where I could come, I could be myself, I could be raw, and literally see where Jesus fit into this puzzle. This is where I come just to exhale. This is where I come when I feel depleted and I leave here full. 
and able to do then during the week what God wants me to do. We've really found and experienced for ourselves that Christ's journey is a place filled with love. Not just for one another, not just for Christ, not just within these four walls. And we're happy that we get to be a part of sharing it. There's always something that we're doing because first and foremost, our love for Christ. We know that serving Him is what we're called to do. So we use what little gifts and talents we do have in any area that we can plug in and ultimately try to plug in others and expand His kingdom. And that's what we're asked to do. And we gratefully do so to the best of our abilities. And what I think also is really cool is that Lance and I serve, but now our boys serve and they're so incredibly connected. Um, Trevor's in the student band, he's on the tech team, um, but this is where his heart is. So on a Friday or Saturday night, he's hanging out with his church friends. These are his best friends. So it's such a cool thing to see how God blessed us with the friendships and how it's just trickling down to our kids. As we prepare to dare greatly, we've had some conversations, not only between the two of us, but we've included God in those conversations, and we're seeking what is it that He would have us do from a financial standpoint, and showing and sharing His love by reaching into the bank and giving something that's perhaps more than what we thought we could or thought we should but knowing that He always takes care of us. And it was amazing to see that even at times, initially, when we might be a little nervous about sending in that check, it didn't take long to, to see God's blessing upon that. And we look forward to daring greatly just because, not only to receive a personal blessing from it, but yet again, taking us to another level of growth and connection with our Heavenly Father really exciting. We know that there are others just like us that need to experience the love as well. And this new initiative to help grow that love is something that we feel very confident is what and what God wants us to do. I'm very excited. And very excited that we get to be a part of it. And knowing that healing is needed love, friendship, connection, connection, and knowing Christ and His love and desire for connection with us is so important mm -hmm. that we want to drive this message home mm -hmm. and we feel so honored and blessed to be able to have the opportunity to do it in this particular initiative. I remember when Lori first came and the visits we had at that time. I also remember as a single mom, when she came as a single mom, I also remember when Lance first got here as a single man. And I also remember the day on Thanksgiving breakfast morning when our deacons are putting on the you know, big spread, when Lori and Lance came in as a couple to our Thanksgiving breakfast. And I remember when I'm standing at Matheson Hammock officiating as they exchanged their wedding vows and a new family was born. And I also remember, speaking of a new family, when he was born and watching them grow into this family. 
as an act of love. And, um, and by the way, and then their service, not only has it grown alive in them, but now they're giving it beyond, uh, beyond our walls around the world. They led one of our, our global tours, our mission tours to impact others. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because if this is your first time with us, you're a guest with us today, thank you so much for coming. Um, but you haven't been tracking with us for the past four weeks in this series. We are in a, give, in a giving initiative called Daring Greatly. And our goal is to underwrite a vision to extend what has been happening here to other parts across the city. And so we're underwriting it, seeking to provide funds as a bold next step to upgrade our three current campuses equipment needs and then establish a new outreach of another congregation at a next site. And here's what we know, that when God wants to grow his kingdom, he always does it by growing his people. And so we're in a spiritual growth series about generosity, becoming daring greatly worshipers, and then growing as daring greatly regent managers, we looked at that, and then daring greatly spiritual warriors, and now this week, daring greatly generous lovers that we might grow to be more like him as his love comes alive in us. And then as you heard them say, now that this is happening to us, we wanna share it with others. And so that's what's going on within the life of our church right now. Why does that happen? Well, here's my contention. I don't know if you agree. You can give without loving. People do it all the time. But you cannot love without giving. And as God's love comes alive, then it frees us up to say, we want other people to come alive too. And that's the answer to the why. Why are we doing this? Well, the second question then becomes how. How are we supposed to make such a gift toward Jesus? Well, the story shows us first in giving yourself. The woman's gift is an extension of her hopes, of her dreams, of her uh, personal security that she is pouring out on Jesus. And that's just the facts of the situation. So this treasure is an extension of who she is, something special to her. By the way, Paul commends another church that he writes to in the New Testament the Macedonian people, for the same thing. They're in the middle of a giving initiative in the first century, and here's what he writes. He says, you know, they didn't do as we expected, but they gave themselves first. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That's what worship is. Gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So they gave themselves to God first, and that's what we've been saying. Let's offer ourselves to God and say thank you and then see where his will would take us. And he underlines this again to the letter to the Romans. Paul says, uh, I, I'm encouraging you in view of God's mercy, that's his love for you. Now offer your bodies, the container of everything that you know about yourself, give it to God and, and then let him lead you to know his will. This is what your spiritual worship really is, presenting yourself to God. So the first step in how is offer yourself. It's not about your stuff, it's about your heart, it's about you. Secondly, then pursue God's will. He says, once you've offered yourself, then in keeping with God's will. So after we present our bodies, then we ask God, what's your will? Listen, I'm not gonna be telling anybody what God's will is for your life. I don't know this, but God does. So you have your own conversation with God and see what he's got in mind out of your own relationship with God and then where God guides, we'll trust God to provide and then grow in generosity according to his will. So ask him, 
What do you want me to give, Lord? Out of what you've provided for me, what would you have me give so others could experience this? And then do that. And then in our story, third, uh, the third how is we give from what we have, not from what we don't have. Because, you know, I, I want to say, well, man, I don't have. Okay, well, not, look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8. If the willingness is there, that means if your attitude is open and responsive, then the gift is acceptable according to what one has. It's not about the amount, it's according to what you have, not what he doesn't have. So no comparisons, no competition in this giving here. She had an alabaster jar, so guess what she gave? What she had. We do the same thing. It's not what I don't have, it's Lord, what can I offer from what I have? And then fourth, it was a gift from the heart. It should be a gift of meaning. It was a gift she felt. It was something special. When King David was trying to underwrite the price of building the temple, you know what he said? His son was gonna build it, but he was saying, I want in to underwrite this, but here's what he said. I will not give the Lord that which cost me nothing. That's the male way of saying, I wanna feel this. I wanna feel this. And he was saying, I'm gonna man up to God so that I can feel it. How can you know that you're giving a gift that matters? How can you know you're giving a gift of the heart? Well, how do you know when you're giving it to your mother? How do you know when you're giving it to a friend? How do you know when you're giving it to a boyfriend? How do you know when you're giving it to a fiance? You feel it, you feel it. How do you know you're giving a gift of worship and love and thanks to God? Hey, you feel it, you feel it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So it was his way of saying, you know, if you want more of your life to be at God's disposal, then try putting your treasure, what you treasure in his hands and see what happens. Because your heart will go there. Sometimes if you're like me, we need a little help in identifying what we have versus what we don't have. My first response is, well, you know, I'm kind of all committed. I'm tapped out. I'm not sure I really have anything. And if I'll take just a moment, maybe some of it just needs to be unassigned and recommitted God's direction from mine so I wanna share with you some very practical suggestions. This is for family only here. This is inside Christ Journey Years. If you wanna know who I'm talking to, this is it. And if you are a guest today looking from the outside in and you're saying, oh yeah, all that church wants is your money. Okay, I'd be paying real close attention now because we're gonna answer that question as to why do we do this? How do we do this? And how did we get to where we are? Because other people did it. So. He talks, Alan Walworth is a friend of ours who's been helping us here, and he says, you know, three Ds can be very helpful. The first D is delay. How can I know what I have to give? Well, I can look and see, is there something I can delay that I was planning on buying anyway, but I can delay it, like a car, an appliance, a boat. Hey, I can do it, but I could do that in two years. You know, I don't have to do it now. And, and if I put that off, then I could say, well, Lord, here's something that you could use to help somebody else experience you through my church. So you can just ask yourself, what expenses could I delay? Could I postpone a trip? You know, I was planning on taking that, but you know, two years isn't that far away. How it goes by so quickly. Second D is delete. Delete. Are there things that I could stop doing? 
And instead, for a while, from the money that I receive from what I'm not doing, particularly in treating myself, then maybe I could do it just a little often, and then I could provide those funds to the Lord. Like what? Well, like instead of going to Starbucks three times a day, you could go one time a day and give the other two times to God. You know, we chuckle at that, but you know what? A latte, a grande latte is $12 a week if you go three times. And then that's $48 a month, $624 a year. If you don't do that three times, you've just now given $1,250 to God's work in two years because you just decided I'll stop doing that and I'll give that to God. You go out to eat with your family often, family of four, depends on where you go, but you know, it could be 50 to 100 bucks one time a week. Okay, one time a week, if I just stop doing that one time a week, that's 52 weeks at $100 is $5,200 times two, that's $10,400 that I could give to the Lord if I just, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's, that's all I'm suggesting here. This is what Alan is trying to help us see. And the third D is donate, is donate. What do I have that I could give? Something that I have that I could give of something that I already have, like an antique or like a vehicle, or like a piece of property, or like a garage sale. A longtime Christ journeyer told me two weeks ago, you know, Pastor, uh, we just came into an inheritance from an uncle we didn't expect, and that's given us something to give. And so they're giving out of what has come their way. Maybe for you, it's an income tax refund. It's just paying attention and saying, Lord, what this, this, you brought this into my range, now what would you have me do with it? In light of where you're taking us right now, could it be that this is why, and you have to ask God about that. I had a teenager come to me in one of our last giving initiatives that resulted in the benefits that we've experienced here. If you've been here in the last five years, then his gift is a part of your experience today. He came to me, he said, you know, I, I wanna sell my baseball card collection, and then I wanna give the proceeds of that. Now, nobody invited him to do that. He wanted to feel it. He wanted to be part of what God was doing in the church, and he wanted other people to experience what he had experienced in his family life here. He did it on his own. He poured his alabaster jar on Jesus' feet. Um, but is, you know, delay, delete, donate. This, they're not strangers to this. Isn't this what we do already? We, uh, we do this for the wolves that we love. You unconsciously and with joy, and I know moms know what I'm talking about, delay, delete, or deny yourself something, something that you like for someone that you love. This is what dare greatly love looks like and why we celebrate the sacrifices that women in our lives make. And at the heart of the gospel is this truth it's why Lisa and I do it. We still do it. We always have done it with our kids. Well, why do we do it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you can give without loving. People do it all the time. But you cannot love. Really love. It's impossible to love without giving. Is that right? So, why, how? 
But I need to say this, this is another one, you know, if we could have coffee together and I was speaking to Christ Journey people right now, and I would tell you, especially if you've joined us in the last five years, then please, would you pay attention on this request that I'm making to you? Make your donations as God leads you in addition to your regular gifts to our ministry. If all you do is divert your current amount into a different account, you're really not helping us. In fact, you could be hurting one of the ministries right now of our age and stage ministries to families that's depending upon your gifts and our operating ministry budget to cover those needs because that's what they do. According to the budget that's annually approved by your vote, those gifts go to take care of that. So please don't rob Peter to pay Paul. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Instead, ask God, where would you lead me to trust you to guide and in you to provide so that now our Daring Greatly gifts can go to upgrading three campuses beyond the budgeted requests and then extend our outreach to another site as God brings it available. So we've answered why, we've answered how. Now the question is when, when do we make our gifts? Well, let me ask you, it's Mother's Day. Can I ask you, this is a duh question, but when do you, when you're expecting a new arrival at your house, when do you get ready, before or after the child has been born? Duh, we, we could all say it together if we weren't looking at me right now um, with those funny looks like, duh. You know, no, you always do it before. When you're expecting a child, you do it before the baby comes. And that's all we're doing now. As a church family, we are preparing now for our next arrival so that when it comes online, then we're gonna be ready to take care of the needs that it presents. Now, when our oldest daughter, Corey, was expecting her first child, our first grandson, Oh my goodness, look at him. Now, and I have, a special, I have a special something for you today. You'll have to listen real closely though. Okay, you need a translation. Feliz dia de los madres, mami. Happy Mother's Day, mommy. kiss, kiss. Yeah, you see why we're so taken with him, right? Before he arrived, you know what happened at our house? I mean, they live in California, we're out here, but I'm telling you, Lisa's going out there, she's painting walls, they're buying furniture, we're reading books, we're having appointments, we're take, you know, getting online and checking everything out that we can imagine. She's getting furniture that's gonna fit the room and fit the child and all of this, you know, and we weren't even sure exactly when he was gonna arrive, but we were sure getting ready, including that little walnut, handcrafted walnut bassinet that was made by somebody in her hometown in Missouri when we were expecting Corey so that it was right there by our bedside so that when we brought Corey, our little infant, home from the hospital, she's right there by us in this bassinet. And when we brought Jessica home from the hospital, she's right there by us in that bassinet. And so guess what? We had to get that bassinet very important to California so that when little Wes came home, he's right there by them in that bassinet. Why? Well, you can give without loving, but you can't. it's impossible to love without giving isn't it? And you get ready before so that when the love is present, 
You know, we have three campuses now. We believe God wants us to keep reaching out. Our goal is five by 2020 as God provides. But now is the time to get ready so that when the door opens, then we're ready to step up and say, we're here. Now we wanna keep Mother Church strong in the delivery process, but that's so that every daughter church can also be strong in reaching out to others. And here's something we know on Mother's Day. You know, think about this. Everybody with a belly button owes their life to someone else. If you have a belly button, that's your living testimony that you didn't get here by yourself. That you got your life from somebody else and you got your, you owe your life to somebody else. That you got your life from somebody and through somebody else. None of us got here by ourselves. That means that on Mother's Day, we all have reason to say, Thank you to somebody. And spiritually speaking, it's true too. We receive God's life, God's gift of eternal life through people, through other people who have been made alive in Christ and who let his love fill them to the point that they say, I gotta share this. That's what Lance and Lori were talking about. That's why Jesus said, wherever this gospel goes, this woman's story is gonna be told. Why? Because what we give is a kind of umbilical cord for those who will be coming to know the Lord from those of us who already do and are letting his love make a way for them. And that's why this is so special, which means that next week is gonna be very special because that's when we're going to bring an offering and come into his courts. We're asking every Christ journeyer, every attender, every participant, everybody who says, Christ journey is my spiritual family, to bring your commitment card next Sunday as an act of worship to say, Lord, here we are, and we're trusting you. And I need you to know this. It doesn't really matter the amount on that card. It doesn't matter what other people think about the amount. It doesn't matter who you're comparing to. And if you think it's small or big, (laughs) it's what's going on. Here's what matters. Is it a gift from your heart? Is it a gift of worship that says Jesus matters? Is it a gift of love that says, because he gave to me, I want to let other people experience the same thing? Is it a gift that declares he is worthy? That's what matters. And daring greatly is simply our way of helping that happen so that other people can experience it too. You know, people do crazy things for love. And this is just one of the crazy things that God's people do for God's love. They give so that others can become spiritual babies and grow up in the family too. And here's another bottom line from the story. Sooner or later, every one of us in life come down to this question. Is Jesus a waste or is he worth it? Judas had one answer to that question. But there's another answer. Is he worth your most valued possession in life? Is he worth your life? I don't know if Judas is ever going to understand that one. But God does. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your gracious generosity. Thank you for your kindness and your patience. Thank you for the people in your family that have shared generously your love so that we can be in your family too. And now to have the opportunity for what has come to us to get through us so other people can have a chance not only to inhale the fragrance of your generosity, 
but to feel the hope and the life change that comes in a human heart when we're freed from the monster of materialism, when we have the opportunity of joining our story with your story, and then declaring as the angels do that there is none like you. You are so worthy. So I pray your blessing upon every brother and sister in the house, upon every person who's joining us today, maybe first time guests, that they would feel your love and know how special they are because of the gift you've given. And you know what, friend, if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and you would like to know, how can I get close to God? How can I feel friendship with Jesus? Then there's a prayer that we offer each week and I would invite you to join me in it now, if you will. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I open my soul to you and ask you to forgive my sins to come alive in me and I receive the gift of salvation by faith and I turn from my way to your way and ask you to lead me now that the blessing that comes to me can get through me to others. In your name I pray. Now our head's still bowed just for a moment but if you prayed that prayer with me to ask Christ to come alive in your life and would let me ask God's blessing upon your steps of faith, then would you please just raise your hand and hold it up just for a moment long enough for me to see uh, the many hands in the room. And if you're joining us online, then there's an orange banner right across the screen where you can tap right now and we'll be praying for you right here in the middle section toward the back. God bless you, sir. And again, to my right and to my far right, God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord, for these men who are saying by an uplifted hand, my heart is open to you, God. And we pray right now that they will feel how much they matter to you, that your love will fill their lives, that your peace will lift their burdens, and that today will be the first day of a brand new way in walking with you. In your name we pray, amen.